you can't be brave and not be scared. Like being brave absolutely requires being scared. Otherwise, you're just being. Hi, this is the Bring a Brick podcast, interviewing professionals from around the world who use improvisation in their work and in their life. I'm your host, John Cooper. My guest this show is Pam Victor. Pam is the founder of Happier Valley Comedy, whose mission it is to make the world a happier place through improv. She's the co-author of Improvisation at the Speed of Life with Chicago's TJ and Dave, who have surnames that I found it very hard to pronounce, so I'll miss them out, and uses improv to teach personal and professional growth. And she has her own podcast, which is Conversations with Funny Feminists, but today she's on Bring a Brick. Hi Pam, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me, John. My pleasure. Not at all. And my co-authors are TJ Jagodowski and Dave Pesquese. I recorded that twice off air to try and get the names right and, and failed because I didn't know. I, I thought <laughs> I needed to check what the names were. So you have your Happier Valley, and then then you have your courses and your workshops that you're teaching personal development. You have the Zen of Improv, and then Through Laughter. Is- yep. Those yeah. are my programs. I'm fascinated by the the Zen of improv. Can you just kind of explain where you, why that terminal why you use the terminology the Zen of improv? Sure, and just a little background. So I run Happier Valley Comedy, which yeah. is a, sort of the heart of improvisation in Western Massachusetts, where mm-hmm. there pretty much was no improv before that. Okay. Um, so I run a school. Uh, so it's a full multi level, full curriculum school. Uh, and my classes, and then I also do applied improv, both yeah. for professional and personal, and then we, we produce shows as well. Yes. Uh, so my, the whole school ha- goes from, you know, day one until getting people ready for performance. Yeah. And my, I teach the first four sections of the school, and those are called the Zen of Improv, uh, my first four levels. And the reason, how did it get its name? I think so. I was writing the book with TJ and Dave. Yeah. Uh, and David seems to, I think they sort of approach improvisation from a bit of a Zen place. Okay. Uh, it's, you know, it's really about being in the moment yes. and paying attention to what's happening right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And that really appealed to me. And I would always be like, oh, let's put some more Zen stuff in there. And uh, though Dave is pretty uh, down with that, TJ was like, well, nope, that's for your book, Pam. This is uh, (laughs) a book about us. Okay. And I was like, okay. Uh, So I just kept, you know, thinking about it. And that's just how their philosophy, which, you know, I've taken and combined with people who other people who influenced me and then my own philosophy. And it's turned into the Zen of improv. Um, and it's basically really about paying attention in the moment and playing the moments honestly and authentically. Yeah, cool. I mean, one of the things I'm interested when I I speak to people about the improv that they do and teach is is the how they do the how and and how you do the approach. So, say in the last podcast, I was speaking to someone called Paul who was very very technical in the approach because he's UK based and he works in agile development. So, it's kind of Zen would be very much on the periphery. Of, of that, whereas kind of you're actually using it as a term that you're bringing front and center, as a as the as the as a mode of explaining what it is you do, so to speak. Um, and you also have through laughter as well, which is your more advanced program. Is that right? Uh, through laughter is my applied improv program. 
um, or impro, sorry, mm-hmm. I'll translate. Uh, so that is, that's what I do. I go into businesses and I teach or I, um, I'm also doing more pers- pers- personal growth stuff as well. Okay. Uh, and that's what I call through laughter. So it will be team building through laughter, communication and collaboration through laughter, innovation training through laughter, building resilience through laughter. And even my through laughter program uh, has a very deep basis in this Zen approach. Okay. It's all about non-judgment, okay. non-doing, non-striving. Okay. Can you Can you elaborate a bit more on that? That, mm-hmm. that that sounds interesting. Kind of when, right. when you when you say it's about those particular things, right? Well, I I mean that's the basis for everything I do. Whether I'm teaching improvisation, team mm-hmm. building, strengthening your voice, a- anything at all, the basis comes down to quieting the judgmental voice in your mind. Okay, yeah, yeah. In in order to pay attention to the moment that's actually happening, yeah. versus the moment you wish or fear was happening. Um, because I find that judgment has this whole host of dominoes that fall. Okay. Um, and it prevents us from, if we're improvising, it prevents us from improvising authentically. If we're at work, it prevents us from doing our work productively. Uh, If we're in life, it prevents us from being the best person we can be and from manifesting our dreams. Yeah. Uh, so in the Zen of Improv, we call I call that voice the voice of the evil mind meanie, the okay. evil mind meanie. It's the voice of unhelpful judgment. Yeah, yeah. And that's the voice that's constantly in our heads. That's I call it. Conju- he's he's always conjugating, I suck, and he just you know I suck at this. To suck, yes. I suck at this. You suck at this. We all are terrible. Is that something we say in Britain? Is is there is that it's- just? A- it's, it's fascinating, yeah. It's it, well, it, it's interesting you say this. The eyes suck at this. I mean, one one thing that I observe, and and I constantly kind of reevaluate what I observe and what I know about some of this stuff. In that, in the, I look at. I look at kind of America and the approach to improv there, and how much more well developed improvisation is in the U.S. and in some parts of Europe, and how slightly be behind the curve we are in the U.K. And I tend to put that down to the culture in the UK being a little bit more cynical. We are very good at saying I suck and you suck and this mm. sucks and everything sucks. Um, mm. And there's a, there's a certain, and it is a sweeping generalization that I don't kind of want to put forward, but it's, it's one, I, I see a more positive attitude when I'm in the States just generally. Um, so it's interesting that you would say that that is, do you come across that quite a lot when you, when you go into the companies and see that? Is it, is that the first thing that you kind of have to, nail down it's the in in the culture like getting rid of that negativity so to speak it's quite simply the first thing that stops everybody human every human everywhere so anywhere there are humans the judgmental voice is getting in the way yeah uh, so so wherever i am and teaching improv or in the corporate world or in in per- personal growth workshops the one of the first things i will always do is to make us aware of this voice in our heads. So in the Zen of Improv, we call him Kelvin. It's just a random name that yeah. was that was chosen. Everybody has a different name for their their voice of unhelpful judgment. Uh, there's also one I have for body issues. Her name is Brittany. Mm. You know, she tells me my butt looks fat and jeans and, and stupid stuff right. like that. Yeah, yeah. I, and so 
and Calvin's the one who's always saying, uh, who are you to think that you can teach improv, right? Who are right. you to think that you can write a book? Who are you yeah. to think that your ideas are any good? Yeah. And so the first thing I talk about and I use, uh, I demonstrate through exercises is that that voice is a lie. Mm-hmm. It's always a lie. It's not true. It's not true. It's a belief, not a yeah. fact. Yeah. I suck is a belief. Yes. It's not it's not a fact. I don't know the in fact I don't know the fact yet because the story is not done. Yes. So, yes. you know, I it, so my so I have a project that I need to work on and I it could be terrible and I could be awful at it or not. But what I what what I teach through it, what I use improvisation to teach is that that voice in your head that's telling you you're going to be bad at something or you're going to mm-hmm. embarrass yourself yeah, or yeah. You, you're getting too big for your britches, right? Uh, right. That you think too much of yourself. Yes. That voice is not helping us to do what we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not helping us to pay attention to the moment that's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the- in a way. Yes, and it sounds very much from the way you're describing that is your. It sounds very much like you're coming from that that personal development space, in terms of this is a foundation before we get into the work that we do or the things, the tasks that we have. That is very much a personal thought process. Um, sure, because even in the corporate world, they do tend to be populated by people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, yeah, <laughs> it, it's the communications about the person. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use terms like um, when I started doing this podcast, uh, podcast, it was, it was just do it, just do it, and it's kind of like I was yeah. scared, but it's kind of like I'm just going to do it. And imposter syndrome was yes. the, a, a way of technically saying I have imposter syndrome, which is me trying to overly intellectualize having that fear. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fascinating. So let's let's and just so for so for that fear, John. What I always do, I don't know. Do you know Susan Messing? I think she's been out there a little a little I've, bit. I've heard the name Susan Messing. Yes, she's fantastic. She's a Chicago improviser. Uh, she works at Annoyance Theater, IO Theater, and Second City. Yeah, um, and she's she's my spirit animal. Right. Uh, and, <laughs> Susan says, and this is something I got from her, I think 2012, uh, and then I've been using it all the time. It's on my wall and everything. And she says, being brave is being scared as shit, but doing it anyway yeah. with the result of flying. Yeah, yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, and that's, and that's something I teach. Like, you can't be brave and not be scared. Like, yes. being brave absolutely requires being scared. Otherwise, yes. you're just being. That's, that's where my understanding is that's where we do our best learning is is right on that edge of your comfort zone when you're not comfortable that's when you're alert and attentive and able and to absorb you do, stuff yes and you do your, your best learning when you are in what might be defined as a place of failure mm-hmm. so the first thing that happens in all my workshop is workshops is we do some exercises that redefine failure yeah and disempower failure so and you know there's that moment, you know, that is, so it, what happens is after 10, 20 minutes after doing these exercises, what I'm aiming for, no matter what workshop I'm doing, I'm aiming, then I'll do exercises like we do one called, uh, I don't know what you call it, big booty, big bo- yeah, booty. Yeah, yeah, we do big booty, yeah. Right, so so that one, it requires someone to, quote unquote, make a mistake, right? Yes. The ga- The game doesn't start until someone messes up. Yes, yes. So I'll do these exercises that redefine failure. Then we play something like Big Booty where someone messes up. And what I'm watching for is the participants to cheer when someone messes up. And that's that's when I know I've redefined the culture of the room. 
yeah. to yeah. in which failure is redefined. And now we can move forward. Yeah, it's, and it's that it's that input the the importance of it actually practically happening in the room there and then, instead of just standing there and saying, "Oh, we will not learn unless we fail." That it's a very diff- actually being well, it's like you're saying, it's being present and watching that thing take place in the room. Um, okay, so let's just dip back, dip back down Pam Victor's timeline. When did you get into improv? How did you start? When did you discover this stuff? Um, very, very first when I was in, uh, when I was 12 or 13, um, I'm 50 years old right now. So in America, we didn't have improvisation in, in the lower grades, uh, like they do now. Now you can go to, uh, what we call high school and there's going to be an improv group. Yeah. Um, and in a university there, there, everybody has them. So, but they didn't back then, but I did was introduced to it, uh, when I was about 12 or 13 and loved it. And then promptly forgot about it because it wasn't out there anymore. Uh, and when my younger child was, uh, about three years old, I started to find, like, I, I was a stay at home mom Mm -hmm. and I, I had some space in my life to get out and do something. And I wanted desperately to get out and do something. So I was at my local supermarket and I saw a sign for improv class. Yeah. And so I took it. Cool. (laughs) Cool. And I and I loved it. I fell in love immediately, and I convinced the entire class to take it again. And I said, if I could get the whole class to take it again, would you teach it again? Uh, and then uh, the teachers agreed to do that. And then I did that another time. I, I made them teach me a master class and got seven people to agree to do that. Yeah. And then and then I booked a gig for um, an improv show, but I realized I didn't have a group. Okay. Uh, I just, I do that. Like, that's the thing that improv training gets us to do is we keep stepping out into the unknown. And then we've, as Del Close said, what did, what did he say? Uh, jump and, and then figure it out on the way down. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Great. Uh, so yeah. And then I went back to class and I tried to convince a whole bunch of people to be part of my group and to do this, this gig with me. Okay. Uh, and that, that was 13, 14 years ago. Right, and at, at what point did you go? I just love this. This is fun. Too. This could be a job. I could make this into a career <laughs> tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, what, yeah. When did no, you set up I, Happy no, Valley? Sorry. It, yes, I, I, there was a point. It was uh, two thousand August two thousand fourteen. Um, I had been doing it all along, uh, yeah, improvising, yeah. producing, using my group. I produced a monthly show. Um, and then I wrote the book, uh, and I was, I've been writing about it. I write the Zen of improv and I write geeking out with interview series and I yes. go to festivals and stuff like that. I didn't know why I was doing it. Um, and I felt terrible about it sometimes, uh, because it was like, I felt like I was like this housewife who was just being a dilettante, you know, going to Chicago to the festival or something like that. But for some reason I kept doing it because you know how improv is. You have to. Yes. Yes. Uh, so when my my son, I homeschooled my children, uh, and when my son went off to college, I knew I'd have to go out and get a job um, outside the home. Mm-hmm. So I used to be an elementary school teacher um, for little kids, and I knew I could do that. But I decided to take one year to do an experiment to see if I could make a living through improvisation. Yeah. And so I blogged about it. It's called 
uh, for lack of a better title, it's called the Can I Make a Living Doing What I Love Experiment. Right, right, excellent. I like that. I, I like that very practical <laughs> name for it. That's brilliant. It's kind of just do, say what it is, say exactly what it is. Basically, the elevator pitch in the entire uh, in the entire title. Um, yeah. Yes, and I blogged about it, and I set a dollar goal to see if I could make a living uh, through improvisation, writing yeah. about it, teaching it performing it, producing it, anything at all. Uh, and it was really, I was very um, transparent about it and public about it. I blogged, I went yeah. on the radio, I talked about it, uh, which ended up being uh, both an act of courage and a, and a huge favor. Because in making myself vulnerable like that, I mm -hmm. actually got a, a ton of support from yeah. people who, if I had been quiet about it, would not have supported me. Right. Uh, so one was the the Mike De Dakota is the artistic director at Improv Boston, uh, which is two hours away from me, and it's like yeah. the, one of the biggest improv theaters in my state. And so Mike, um, he he was publicly supportive, and then also got me gig. He got me jobs um, when he when he could, yeah. you know. Uh, and just was really great about doing whatever he could to help support it. And th that happened all over the place. So I started teaching one class, and they wanted to continue. So I taught another class, and then they wanted to continue. And I was like, okay, so now I have level three. <laughs> yeah. So I taught level three, and it, it developed um, through then. So now my school, and I keep going. I just kept going. Uh, my school has six classes a week. I have somebody uh, who runs my school. He's the dean of comedy school, Scott Braidman. Wow. I have an assistant. Uh, I have uh, I have somebody who helps me with publicity. I have somebody who helps me with business stuff. Um, so it's a real, I'm actually running a company as it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's what I see. Um, so what is it, what does an average week look like to you? Do you have quite a diverse range of people that you work with? Um, yes and no. Uh, so I, the average, I work a lot and that's the, the thing about making a living through something like improvisation. Yeah. It involves a, a, a huge amount of hustle. I'm constantly getting out there uh, and doing and trying and putting things out there uh, and just giving it a shot to see what will work to bring in money. Because now it, the the experiment started out with just me making a living, but now I have people working for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I have to help them make a living. So this the stakes get raised. So uh, yeah. in the average week... Um, I work from, I get into the office, I have a home office at 10, about 10 a.m., and I work until about 5 p.m., uh, doing absolutely, mostly tedious, boring stuff, to be honest. Uh, it's just logistics of running the company, putting together my newsletter, yeah. working with my staff, yeah. uh, answering emails, budgeting stuff. Like, I have to do math. Which I, f which I find incredibly annoying. <laughs> I, um, I share your pain. I share your pain on that score. <laughs> yeah, and you have a plural form. You have maths, so there's more than one. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's awful, no matter no matter how, which way you cut it. And yeah. then I, I get ready. I have, um, I pretty much have like this one afternoon meal uh, around 5 p.m. And then I get ready and I leave the house to teach. Mm -hmm. Or three nights a week, I leave the house to teach, uh, and then a fourth night a week, I leave the house to rehearse. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I get home at like 10 p.m. 
and that's 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 pretty much your day gone. That's my day gone. That's yeah. it. 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. and uh, I don't work on Fridays evenings usually usually unless there's a job uh, and that's date night. Uh, and then I try really hard to only work one day a weekend. Right. Right. Okay. So yeah, you really are kind of working both burning the candle at both ends. So yeah. Speak. Yeah, well, two Saturdays a month I have a show and workshops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. You know, I'm working all those days. And then, um, yeah. Yeah. I worked, I worked all day yesterday building a, a page on my website. Okay. I'll, I'm just going to bring you back to something you said about kind of the hustle and and always doing the hustle because that's something I'm interested um, just just pivotally about going off at tangents, which which I do when I'm doing this. Um, people who come from you know, it's kind of I'm not a salesman. I find myself having to be a salesman and a marketing person to to promote the podcast and the other things that I do. But inherently, yeah. I do performance, so I'm a performance kind of. Do you do you kind of do you acknowledge where you are on that spectrum between someone who is a performer? And someone who is a business owner, and 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 you know, how much are you a salesperson or versus performance? Which one do you prefer? Does that make sense, or am I just being yeah. confusing? Yeah, no, it absolutely it absolutely makes sense. And I think I join the ranks of nearly every performer in that we all prefer to perform, and it's really hard to promote. Yeah. Um, and I do it anyway. Yeah, because uh, you kind of have to, you know. It's, you it's... you absolutely have to. And so you turn off one part of your brain, and that's the Kelvin part of your brain that's telling you, uh, why would you promote a show? It might it might be terrible, right? It, mm-hmm. you, it's improv, so the show could be awful, and maybe you guys aren't good enough, and there are so many better shows out there, right? All those things. So we mm-hmm. say... We say thank you to that voice because it's trying <laughs> it's trying to protect us. Yes. And then and then we say shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up, Kelvin. Yeah. Uh it's like I I just turn off that part of my brain uh and try not to listen to it and I focus on the fact that I'm not promoting just me, but I'm promoting a team. I'm promoting my group. I'm promoting this huge cast of people who depend on me to get it out there, to get an audience so we can get paid. Because, yeah. by the way, everybody in my company gets paid to perform. Yes. My, uh, because that's really an important part of my mission. So, yeah, I don't think about it. Uh, I use this other mantra that I use from uh, Tina Fey, who says, confidence is 10% hard work, 90% delusion. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Right? Yeah. So yeah. you got to put yourself out there. I literally try – I do not think about the show uh, until the show is happening and I have a group of people who are a wonderful audience who's finally come out to see the show. And I, yeah. you know, I will have that thought like, oh, crap. <laughs> they're here yeah i hope it doesn't suck <laughs> yeah i i can i can totally relate to that and of course the show is awesome and it's kind of like the doubts are just doubts that are just there because of the way yeah it's it's that mental pro it's fascinating stuff because I, I think there's an element that kind of because it's improv we are practicing what we preach and we are actively doing it and it kind of yes. it's, it's part of the whole process um so your show is the happier valley comedy show that's our signature show yes that's one of our shows we also have a family show. Okay. Uh, and then we, after the happier family, after, after after the happier comedy show, <laughs> happier valley comedy show. Yes, I know the name of my show. Uh, after our signature show, we have something called More Improv, More Better. 
uh, and that's a showcase and a jam where people get to get up and perform. I was going to ask you about the jam because I think that's a really good idea where you're, you're literally having a jam after the show so people are watching the show and then after they can participate to a degree and do, yes. do, you, do you keep that simpler? It is. It is a lot simpler. Uh, so they pay for the show, the the show where I have you know professional improvisers from my troupe and from all around. We have people from Chicago coming in next month. I have yeah. people from Boston. Um, if you come to town, give me a call. I'll book you in our show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then then the after show happens. You know, we have like a fifteen minute break, and it's the after show is free. We if, if there's a bar there's a bar so we say it's a one drink minimum to make yeah. our hosts happy. Yes. Uh, so it's basically something I am doing for the community. Yeah. So I'll get uh, an up and coming team to perform. They'll do like a twenty minute set, and it's yeah. usually from my school, a group that just you know you have to get your reps in, you have to get experience in front of an audience. Yes, absolutely, yeah. So I'm providing them with that, and in and it is a friendly audience. Um, it's mostly, almost exclusively students. I'd say 95% of the the audience that remains for the second show is students. Okay, okay. And they've all gone through the Zen of Improv. Yeah. So they all get it yes. that we are going to be supportive and that anything that looks like a failure is just not another opportunity to learn something. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, a, it's the warmest audience you could possibly get. Yeah. And then... After that, uh, usually the people who do the showcase, the students also lead a short form jam. Okay. So that that further gives them experience to be MCs and to lead games and to learn how to MC and explain games in a short way and to keep the show going. And so it's all those cool. It's just more learning that yeah, they get. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a it's a key skill to not just be able to perform the game but then be the host that can explain it in a way that's concise for the audience yeah uh, yeah i mean all the the students in the audience get more experience performing because they get to get up and play the games too yeah yeah it, it just reminds me of uh the the csd guys that i'm with where we have like refing workshops every now and then which is all about just how to explain a game to the audience in a way that's succinct and, and easy to understand um, yeah, fascinating. Uh, so, okay, I'm going to switch subjects um, and ask you, because you have your own podcast as well, don't you? Conversations with Funny Feminists. Yep. Um, and can you tell us a bit more about that? Was it what? Was there another name for it that included the word bitches? <laughs> I was trying to be really polite, and then I was reading on the website that so I was thinking, did did it have another name? <laughs> it, I, I, that was one of the names that I thought it of. So, and that is the name of our our soundtrack that we use. It's called that it, somebody wrote for us, a, a kind man named Josh Silverstein. Uh, he, it's called "Bitches Get Stuff Done" is right, the name okay, of the, yeah, sound, yeah. the soundtrack, and it's also the name of a workshop that I teach for women called right. "Bitches Get Stuff Done," and. Yeah. It's actually one of also one of my uh, sort of watchwords. I say it's on my car. It's a bumper sticker on my car as oh, well. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, and it's sort of that that idea that we hustle, right? Yeah. You, you just you want to get something done, get out of my way, uh, or get next to me, but because is shit's happening. Yeah. And and bitches get stuff done comes from Saturday Night Live. Right. Uh, it's a sketch that Tina. Well, it's actually a weekend update, which is the news sketch on Saturday Night Live okay. that Tina, when Tina Fey and Amy Poehler were doing it. 
Oh, and they okay. were, they were talking. There was uh, it was the first time that Hillary Clinton was running for president. Well, actually, was running for in the primary against Barack Obama, uh, and right. people were calling her a bitch. Okay. And Tina Fey was like, "Yeah, she's a bitch." And guess what? I'm a bitch. And Amy Poehler's like, "Yeah, I'm a bitch too." <laughs> right. And they're like, "Cause guess what? Bitches get stuff done." Yeah. Like, oh, that, yeah, that makes sense. So it's sort of reappropriating the term that people are using to push women down, right? To say, don't be a bitch, right? And yeah. a woman's like, oh, I don't want to be a bitch about this, but, um, and it's just sort of saying, screw it. We're, I'm going to be a bitch. Yeah. Oh, well, and, and, and it's going to, and it's going to happen. So let's do it. And it's not being a bitch. It's actually just being a leader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice way of putting it. I was just trying, I, I was, I think I, I found myself being un, un, unnecessarily British there by being terribly polite. And I, I wasn't <laughs> quite, I wasn't quite sure how to broach that in terms of what I was going to ask you. Um, brilliant. Um, so Pam Victor, I'm, I'm going to ask you, um, a question I ask a lot of people. What do you get out of this? Where you, you obviously love this. You're passionate about it. I think improvisers, there are a special bunch of people. What's, mm. what's the big takeaway that you get from doing the work you do? Cause from speaking to you, you work at a lot of different levels. Certainly when you say you're doing a show where you've got professional level right down to, you know, then you have a jam at the end where everyone can get involved. What is the, is there a, is there a key thing that you get out of the work that you do? <sighs> It makes my heart beat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think you and our listeners who are improvisers will relate to it. You know, you, you, you get to that. There's that moment where you stop being a muggle. Yes. And you start being an improviser. And there's I, – I love it because I see it in my students' eyes. Yeah. My students – most of my students are middle-aged people. Mm-hmm. Most of my students are middle-aged women. They're they're not. It just happens that way. Um, maybe by accident. Maybe because my group that has been performing for 13 years in the area is middle-aged women, and that's what they see. Yeah. Uh, they. I've had students ask me if men improvise. <laughs> I, I say I say no. <laughs> right. Wow. Excellent. A couple. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm actually, it's really hard. I'm trying very hard to get uh, a class, half men, half women. Um, yeah. it's, it's a challenge for me. Oh, okay. Uh, what, why do you think, why do you think that is? I have, I really don't know. I wish I knew. I mean, I think it's the same reason that you might have a challenge getting classes that have half women in it. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, Man- Manchester's quite sorry. I'm interrupting you. Man- Manchester's quite diverse, and the workshops that I see generally have fifty-fifty men oh. and women. And, and I don't know if that's because of the geography of the city or, or or what. Do you think it's a demographic thing where you are? I think I think it's what people see, or maybe it's the approach because I am teaching the Zen of improv. Okay. Um, sometimes if I, I people are like tell, they tell me if i taught if i change the name to something like improvise your nuts off or something right, like yeah that. yeah um your bollocks right is that what we say <laughs> uh yes that's an english, that english right? term yeah okay uh i just have to get my i have to know what i'm going to teach when i when i go over there again um so maybe it would be different M- my approach does seem to work really well for women because yeah. it's it's slower and it's really focused on listening, and it's not focused at all on trying to be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's and true. so yes, and so I think that's the thing that I love about improvisation is I get to give people this gift of trusting in themselves and creating a community of support. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which is a yeah. it's a beautiful thing. Um, I used to improvise because I loved improv because it would get us into the flow. I loved performing because you you know that moment when you're in the flow and you don't have yeah. to think yeah. and you're just you're part of this beautiful group together that's working together like a machine. Yes. Um, yes. And now I love it because I teach and I get to give that to people. And in 2017, to give people the courage that they are enough to believe yes. in themselves to yes. step forward and to speak their voice and to believe in other people and that a group what we create together is more beautiful than what we could create alone mm -hmm. that is that's a really important gift for me especially uh as an american yeah. right now that, that's what i'm doing in applied yeah that's what i'm doing in applied improv is yeah. my goal is to give women a voice to stand up because I do think bitches are going to get stuff done in America. And I think that's the only way we are going to get rid of uh, the fascist who's running our country currently. Right, yeah. And and I think that it's a skill that is only going to become more valuable for men and women over time. Um, certainly in previous discussions I've had about you know technology and the number of screens that get in our faces versus social skills and soft skills. You know, right. I, I, I'm, very, I'm, I'm very evangelical about improv and its uses but i'm trying to just be the messenger and get other people to say that on my behalf which i have which is great um <laughs> so who was it you, you used the words muggles and i first heard someone come and use the word muggles a few years ago and i laughed but i couldn't bring myself to use it it's kind of like, <laughs> but it is a really really clever way of making that distinction it's kind of like you know once the lights have gone on inside someone's head it's it's a beautiful thing to see and I know, you know, that, that, that implies that we are wizards. Uh, and then, you know, that of course sets off that voice of unhelpful judgment who's like, who are we to say that we're wizards? Um, but you know what? Screw it. The fact <laughs> is, we're creating something from nothing. Yeah. It's, it's stage. just a way of highlighting. It's, it's not meant in any vindictive way. It's just a term <laughs> that improvisers use for stuff. I'm, I'm being polite. Um, <laughs> to be polite. Yeah. I don't have to. I'm American. Um, <laughs> but my co-author, he calls them civilians. TJ calls it civilians. Uh, Susan Messing calls people who are not improvisers the normals. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's so, just whatever. I use, I use them all interchangeably. Is there anything that you're, you're noticing that's kind of a bit zeitgeisty at the minute? Anything that's happening in your long experience of doing this that is kind of prescient at the moment? Any current yes. issues? Yes, the new thing that I'm thinking about a lot, the thing that I spent all yesterday working on was my uh, personal growth website that is up live now at happiervalley.com. Yeah. I like going into the corporate world and teaching mm -hmm. that, but I have found that that is, I think that's not my mission. I okay. think that's not what I'm meant to be doing, though I'm happy to do it. Mm -hmm. Um because it makes me feel good and it, and it does good for businesses around my area. Yeah. What I think I'm meant to be doing is to be taking this to individuals for personal empowerment. Right. Uh, so I have a personal empowerment um, program. Yeah. It's called it's personal empowerment through laughter, but it's also called um, when I'm teaching it just for women. It's called females unleashing courage, knowledge, individuality, and truth, mm -hmm. uh, which is an acronym. That yes, I'll I let, thought that I'll sounded let. like an acronym. I'm just trying to put the words together into what that sound, what the what the word is. Females unleashing courage, knowledge, individuality, and truth. 
It's two different words. Okay. I don't know if we're allowed to say them on your podcast. Right. But okay. we'll, we'll, we'll let your listeners put that together. Yes. Uh, and it's, it is that sort of idea of I'm going to get out of my way. Forget it. I'm okay. getting out of my own way, and I'm going to self-actualize. I'm going to manifest my dreams. I am yeah, going yeah. to stop stopping myself from doing what I need to do. I'm going to stand up and trust that when I stand up at a meeting and I have something to say, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's big, that's massive, but it's so true. It's so true. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big um, advocate of, of the personal development stuff at the ed- edge of comfort zones. Um, I, I really do love, I, I love the fact that you're championing that because that's something that's quite close to, close to my heart in terms of the, 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 the power of improv when it's applied at that level. Yes. Yeah, so that's, that's what I'm doing today. Like after this, I'm going to have a meeting with my assistant and we're going to talk about a, a day long retreat that we're planning over the summer. Um, and again, awesome. I, my, my focus is, is on women right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, it's not to say that, uh, men are not worthy of this or whatever it's just what my focus on is it just seems to be what is attracted to me and so i feel like that's what the universe is putting in front of me and um so that's what i'm going to do i went to an all-women's college smith college Mm -hmm. here in northampton massachusetts and um i guess i just sort of yeah and just sort of that's what i feel like i want to do right now yeah, I mean it's a valuable tool for everyone, and, and you know, obviously you're working with women. I think there's 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 men that need it just as equally, maybe maybe even if not more. So it's just there. It's and in fact, I'll just quote you back to yourself about blokes getting out of their own way. I think men men tend to get in their own way a bit more <laughs> potentially. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I I I, I think so. Um, and, and again, I'm I'm but I'm I'm very good at making sweeping generalizations about things <laughs> I know nothing about. So I'll I'll just I'll just categorize that one under under. <laughs> me talking off the top of my head um i mean the, the honest fact is that all humans uh need it and i'm just going to focus on women right now because yeah. i think that's a powerful movement and like i said i think it's it's what we need uh in the world a little bit more yeah uh, at this point and and i'll get to the blokes <laughs> cool cool <laughs> um okay everything we've discussed will be in the show notes on the page as well as links to happier valley and your own website uh, i'll link those all in when this goes live pam victor thank you so much for coming on the show john cooper thank you so much for having me i'm so proud of myself i did not once lapse into an english into my terrible english accent <laughs> That, can well, I just take a moment to say that that is a huge accomplishment for me, that my friends and colleagues and especially my children are very grateful for. Wonderful. That's <laughs> good to know. Nice one. Pam Victor, take care. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher or the Facebook page. The website, bringabrinkpodcast.com, has detailed show notes for all the guests with links to them and their work. If you want to contact me, John Cooper, get in touch and I'll do my best to answer your questions or point you in the right direction. There is a Patreon page where you can help fund the production of the show. If you're enjoying what you're listening to and want to become a Patreon, please click on the link on the website homepage. Contributions go towards website hosting, the time it takes to produce the show, it takes ages, and allows me to work on new content that's hopefully valuable, entertaining, and informative. 
Contributions are based on every new episode released. Personally, I believe that good production values are key to getting more exposure, so everything is greatly received. Just think of it like you're buying me a coffee. And I'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>